Alright, hello everybody. I'm Michael here alongside of Manuel. We're coming back to you with another Hebron Talks episode. Today what we're going to be talking about is the history of coffee. So yeah, we're very excited to dive into this one. And um, yeah, so if we start from the beginning, um, yeah, why don't you start us off, Manuel? Where did it all begin? Like how, yeah, how did this all start? So... Here's one thing about the coffee world, the coffee scene around the, around the globe, and it is not a certain point, there's not a certain, like, history, or, or I mean, like, scientific theory proof about how the coffee started around the, around the, the world. But I think one of the most commonly accepted theories is the one about Kaldi. Have you heard about that one? Yeah, the story of Kaldi, the goat herder. Yeah, so it is about this guy that had a, a farm in the, what was it like, 14th century? Century, I think? 15? Yeah, I think 14th century around there. And the rumors, uh, the legend has it, 14th century. Yeah, I mean, that is what the legend says anyway. So it was about this guy named Kaldi, who noticed that his goats had a extremely energized uh, behavior just after they were eating some kind of cherries out of that weird tree that was from around. So it is about this time when he realized he realizes that that those cherries were the the reason why their goats were so energized. So I think this was on North Africa back in those times, what we nowadays know as Ethiopia. And it was something about that. What can you tell me? Well, yeah, like after that, I mean, after he report, he found out that, um, yeah, the goats, they got that, um, yeah, they got like, these energized, were very energized. And he reported that to the local head of the monastery who actually made a drink who made a drink with the berries and found that it kept him alert and it kept him awake throughout the um the long hours of um evening prayer that they would always have so yeah the monk then shared his discovery and um the knowledge of the energizing berries soon began to you know spread and um yeah because yeah it was something very new of well, a new discovery, something they hadn't yeah, learned from before, and uh, yeah, it began spreading really quickly across, um, yeah, across the Arabian Peninsula, and it began a journey which would bring these beans around the world. Here's the the thing, though, is that when they first started drinking the coffee, they were not roasting it yet. Right. They? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's something to keep in mind. They had not, they had no knowledge of roasting coffee yet, but. First of all, I think what they were doing, they were just making an infusion out of the green seed of the fruit. It, it wasn't roasted yet. And it was, I don't know how exactly they came up with the idea about roasting that seed, but they were, they were first making an infusion mm -hmm. and then they were brewing mm -hmm. the roasted seed. Yeah, yeah, and and that is when this whole thing about spreading the coffee around the peninsula happens. That happens on the first wave of the coffee, which if you're involved into the coffee world by now, you should have heard about the the coffee waves. That is something that we would be talking some next episodes. Mm -hmm. But let's keep it simple for now. 
Alright, so yeah, that is the start of the first wave. And then, well, yeah, from there, the cultivation and trade of coffee began on that Arabian Peninsula. So by the 15th century, coffee was being grown in the Yemeni district of Arabia. So still to this day, there's a lot of heirloom coffees that can, you know, trace their roots all the way back to then. Like coffees grown in, in Yemenia that are still, they can, their roots are traced all the way back. Like a, the, the, the variety and the seeds, some of them, they're like over, you know, 400 years old and they're still being grown to this day. Although, and yeah, new trees and everything, but yeah, it's the same, uh, the same variety, the same varieties that are grown still to this day. So, and by 16th century, as it was growing, it began dispersing slowly across um, these different countries. So it's made it made its way from yeah the Yemeni district of Arabia to the closest countries around it, which were Egypt, Persia, Sy- Syria, and also uh, Turkey. So the legend has it that, yeah, coffee was first roasted on the Arabian Peninsula. So the exact location is unsure. But, yeah, you were talking about this um, the other day, exactly how it started, the legend behind it. So, yeah, you could, could you dive some more into that? The exact location is not known. As, as we were saying, there's a lot of theories around this. But what most people believe and what most people talk about is how the first coffee beans were roasted on what we know as Turkey nowadays. So they were all roasting the beans through fire in the pan. It was not a an evenly roast roasting. Yeah, you definitely they, couldn't say they that. They didn't no. have uh, well any kind of technology, we would say, as or we even, have nowadays, or even knowledge of roasting. Because uh-huh. yeah, they were the pioneers of roasting. Coffee. They were just doing whatever they they thought it was good you know mm-hmm. and exactly they exactly well they did a good job I mean because of them because of them is why we're here now you know they yeah. were the pioneers of this mm-hmm. exactly. of roasting the coffee beans so yeah moving forwards it was what was next? What were you saying? So yeah, coffee well coffee was enjoyed in homes and many public coffee houses in the Arabian Peninsula called Kave Kane, which is Arabic for coffee houses. And they began to appear in cities across the Near East. So keep in mind the Near East was a uh, trade destination because of um yeah, the, Europe did a lot of trade with Africa. So a lot of like these experiences and a lot of um the the travelers and also the the sellers and also the the sailors they would bring back what they experienced in Africa and they would bring it back across to Europe so the first step into Europe was um, well yeah was Italy of course and uh, well yeah there was actually some I was reading about this just the other day there was some um, there was protests going on and there was um, these monks they were trying to ban coffee from Italy because they didn't really know what was in it and how it would have these, um, how it would affect people this way. So they were actually considering it, yeah, they were actually considering it to be some kind of, um, like, bad drink until Pope Clement VIII tasted the beverage and found it so satisfying that he approved of it. It was also here in Italy on um, 17th century which is, I would say, the beginning. Well, it was almost the end of the first wave. It was almost the end. 
uh, but this is when the Italians started mixing the coffee with some other ingredients such as milk or some spices so this is where the well you know all these coffee and milk based beverages start to, to come from like for example one, one fun fact here is that the cappuccino for example which is an Italian drink uh, it has it owes its name to the to some monks oh, gotcha, who yeah. used to wear some kind of uh, how would you call this the monasteries you know the monks like the oh they wore these robes they wore yeah, these like brown robes. robes brown robes and normally the top of their heads would be shaved bald so yeah, hence it's got its name. In the beginning, a cappuccino would have been like uh, this, like really brown drink with a dot of foam on top, which is um, which yeah, which sort of because the monks they started drinking these coffees first, and it got their name because it sort of represented the monks. Yeah, yeah, that that is one of the theories. There's, I mean, as we were saying before, there's a lot of theories, but that is also an interesting one. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, and moving forward after this. It is on. Well, yeah, it is about how the coffee started to be a common drink between the breakfast of the people who would use to drink uh, beer and wine for breakfast. So basically, what they did is to change their alcoholic drinks to a more, well, to a better, to a better thing, which is the coffee. And well, nowadays we do know that coffee is very healthy mm -hmm. the body is a really yeah. good thing so yeah that's like that is actually interesting because we like we associate coffee with this beverage that would um you know give you energy and you know it keeps you alert but um well back in the days you know it seems kind of strange thinking that oh you know they had beer and wine for breakfast and that they found it strange when they drank coffee they would actually you know they would be more energized and even the quality of their work would improve so yeah that's more slowly yeah more productive even and so yeah that's where coffee slowly um yeah took over like breakfast uh, yeah the as a drink people would drink have for breakfast that, that is how the coffee passed from being a kind of like a, re a re religious drink mm -hmm. to some sort of uh i don't know just a common drink yeah just, just something yeah. Well, something people have all the time. So yeah, soon after, in the mid-1600s, coffee was brought to New York by the British, who uh, by then coffee had made its way all over the European, um, yeah, all over Europe. So even though tea continued to be the favorite drink in the New World until 1773, when the colonists in yeah, in what we now know to be U.S., they revolted against the tax that um, King George III implemented. So the revolt known as the Boston Tea Party changed the American preference to coffee. So up until that time, tea would have still been the preference of a drink in what we now know as U.S., but after these, tax, these taxes were implemented, after these taxes were implemented, they changed over to uh, coffee so that is like yeah just an interesting fact right there so yeah, there was fierce competition to cultivate uh, the coffee outside of Arabia as demand spread it so yeah w right now we've been walking through a bit about the demand how the demand spread it of coffee throughout um, throughout the world and so 
yeah, as it as coffee grew more popular, there was more demand for it. So, yeah, people were realizing that, and um, the Dutch were the first. The Dutch, fr uh, yeah, from the Dutch were the first to get seedlings in the later half of the 17th century. So yeah, they first attempted to plant them in India, but they failed at that. Their first successful attempts to um, yeah to plant these seedlings they were in Batavia on the island of Java in what is now known as Indonesia. So this is really interesting fact right here because up to this day you will still see even in commercial coffees they are really um, they're really pushing for uh, th they're really naming a lot of coffee is named Java. So you see um, that name in coffee in a lot of ways and in a, on a lot of different coffees you see the name of Java which is interesting because that was the first um, yeah I guess the first um, place that they were able to successfully grow coffee outside of the peninsula of Arabia so, so yeah and um, yeah they so that from there the Dutch they expanded the cultivation of coffee to nearby islands of Sumatra and the Celebes after the Dutch had um, successfully um, yeah planted coffee on uh, the island of Java and also Sumatra and the Celebes, they, the mayor of Amsterdam in 1714, he gifted King Louis XIV uh, of France a small seedling of coffee, a nice, uh, a small plant of, co of coffee, and he planted that plant in his botanical garden. In the royal, he planted the plant in the royal botanical garden of, in Paris, in 1723. A young naval officer by the name of Gabriel de Clio, he was able to obtain a seedling from the king's plant. And according to de Clio in his, um, in his writings, he after they ran into some troubles with, um, with the weather, and also they had a pirate attack happening to them. He would share his water rations with this coffee plant trying to ensure that it would make it across the 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 ocean to the new country Gabriel de Clio he managed to transport that that seedling safely to Martinique where he planted it and that seedling up to now is the reason for the spread of over 18,600 trees on the island of Martinique from where that seedling was brought to a, a lot of different uh, parts of uh, Southern America as we know it today, including um, a lot of islands of the Caribbean and also Mexico. So yeah, this although the coffee was already growing in the Americas before this seedling, there is, there, there is reports already of the coffee having grown there in the French colony of Saint-Dominique and also the Dutch colony of Suriname since 1718. So yeah, g going um, yeah, back to that, there was a lot of um, missionaries and travelers that continued to carry coffee seeds to the new lands and coffee trees were planted worldwide. Yeah, yeah Manuel had an interesting fact for us about uh, Mexico. So yeah, it is about those years where when coffee is introduced in Mexico through Veracruz and it, it was funny how the perception of coffee has been changing through the time because most I think there there is record of this I don't know where but I think there is 
that the coffee was selling as a, as a miracle tonic that can cure you from diseases such as cancer, pain, and well, a lot of things, which is also that you can see nowadays too over the well, over the internet could be. I know there's a lot of theories about that, but it has been scientifically proved that the coffee can well, can improve your your health. Yeah, coffee. Yeah, coffee so can improve your overall health. So, yeah, just a fun fact about the coffee was first introduced in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and like, uh, yeah, as coffee kept growing and people kept consuming it more and more, by the end of the 18th century already, coffee has become one of the most profitable export crops. And today it is one of the most profitable exports right after crude oil. So it's an interesting fact. I mean, yeah, crude oil is used to uh, make... Um, to make uh, gasoline and petrol so right after um, crude oil coffee is one of the biggest exports across the world and it just goes to show how much of a staple coffee has become in not just well not just our homes but also across the world and yeah I thought that was quite interesting how it has grown to be this like giant industry and all just from going back to the beginning Caldi's goats. Caldi's goats. Eating that's these. When it started. Yeah, that's where it started, you know. And it's just amazing how they managed to, you know, bring it across over five um, centuries to where we have it now. And it's just, um, even though Mexico was a little bit late to the scene, Mexico was a little bit late to the uh, one of the later countries where it was, um, yeah, where it was brought in. And uh, but today Mexico is the twelfth um, biggest um, exporter of green coffee. So yeah, that was just um, quite interesting how it has grown. And Mexican coffees would normally be used as um, well. They're normally considered to be um, you know good, very mellow with like these very like nutty tastes, and um, normally considered in, in what you would say um, in these. Um, I got lost there in my chain of thought. The blends? And blends, exactly. Yeah, they would normally, yeah, these Mexican coffees would normally be considered a good blend component, although there is so much more to the Mexican coffee as well than that. And currently, coffee is grown in Mexico in over 12 states, is it? In over 12 states. And, um, sorry, not over 12 states. It's grown in 12 states of Mexico. And, um, yeah, the, the scene here has just really quite grown quite a lot. And um, yeah, and even going back that, back to that, um, despite the origin of coffee um, being cultivated in in Ethiopia, Ethiopia wasn't um, one of the isn't well. It is today nowadays. It is the fifth biggest exporter, but it wasn't. Up, it was up until the late 1880s, where it was still only producing about um, um, 50,000 to 60,000 kilograms of coffee, which is 50 tons or 60 tons of coffee. And um, it wasn't up until the founding of the port of Gambella that uh, coffee would grow exponentially in um, Ethiopia to where nowadays it's, despite the origin of coffee cultivations in Ethiopia, 
the country produced a very small part of coffee and um, it was estimated that it was producing between 50,000 to 60,000 kilograms of coffee in the 1880s. It wasn't up until 1907 when they founded an inland port of Gambela where they finally were able to export coffee in, a larger, um, in larger quantities where the coffee um, cultivation grew exp exponentially to where nowadays Ethiopia is the sixth largest exporter of coffee and um, while in 1927 and 28 over 4 million kilograms passed through that one port nowadays it, it exports roughly 300,000 tons of coffee every year and um, yeah speaking of the the coffee here in Mexico coffee coffee plantations in Mexico were late they were late to the to arrive on the scene so yeah but but they made a it has been a booming uh, industry in Mexico where nowadays coffee is one of the biggest exports Mexico has to offer I think so like although Mexico was a little bit late I think nowadays coffee has such an impact in what is Mexican economy. It's producing a lot of work. It's getting, well, I think, mostly like nowadays it's having like its huge boom. I don't know if I would say it's on its peak, probably. No, definitely. I don't think coffee is is at its peak in Mexico yet. But yeah, it's produced in over 12 um, states in Mexico. And um, well, it's grown in over 12 states of Mexico. And, um, well, yeah, that is sort of a 500-year window just really shrunk down into a couple of minutes. And how the coffee, how it all started with Kali the goat farmer, and it's expanded throughout the world to what is now one of the largest, um, yeah, one of the biggest industries, industries around, the world. around the world. So, yeah, that is sort of... Yeah, basically in a nutshell, how coffee made its way across from Ethiopia to the world. Through the world. So yeah, coffee has had a quite a long run, mm -hmm. and it's not over yet. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even think we've seen the peak of it yet. Yeah, I think we're just about to know what coffee is capable of. But. I hope we get to see that. Yeah, exactly. So this is sort of the yeah the physical history of coffee. Um, in the next couple of uh, weeks, we will be talking about uh, what is called the the waves of coffee and how they have changed the coffee culture and also changed um, yeah a lot of things in the coffee industry throughout the years. So we'll leave that for our next time for today. I think that'll be all from us. I think so. All right. So yeah, you. You want to do the goodbyes? <laughs> sure. Well, so thank you for joining joining us today, and catch you up later. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah, that was another one of our Hebrew talks. So everyone, y'all have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.